0: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know what you think about the episode, what your experience has been with your diesel truck. If there's a guest or topic that you wanna hear from on the podcast, let us know. We're always checking messages or comments on there and and love to hear from you guys. And then do episodes on them and incorporate what you guys wanna hear onto an episode. And we appreciate all of you who've, who've subscribed recently. We've had a huge influx of subscribers, so I wanted to thank all of you that have done so today is going to be part three of our what is the worst and best diesel trucks to buy so on part one we talked about ford power strokes or part two was gm duramax and today we're going to talk about cummins Vinny from leadfoot diesel performance is going to be joining us he's had 15 plus years experience in the industry working um, in part sales service maintenance repair tons of different parts of it and we wanted to get his factual opinion on what are the worst ones to get that are just going to be headaches or cost a lot of money up front and which ones are pretty smooth to you know get into not a lot of issues with them so the criteria that we're using to judge what's the worst and the best it's not which one can make the most the most horsepower it's really going to be what are inherent issues that may exist within a model year range. Two is what the aftermarket support is like. So if you do have issues, can you easily find parts or there are lots of different companies to choose from? And then three is, is the truck capable of making the horsepower and torque numbers that you would need to be able to you tow consistently or if you have an active lifestyle and there's always a trailer behind the truck can the truck be able to make that kind of power either just stock or with some helps from you know programmer and bolt-ons and and things like that so we appreciate his expertise and really look forward to doing this episode before we get to it I want to remind you guys our friends over at kershaw knives have a 20 percent off discount code for you if you use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com you get 20 percent off site-wide so if you're in the market for a knife it's a great way to save some money and they got a ton of choices no matter what your budget is if you're looking for something for edc or the outdoors or you're just a knife enthusiast they've got a ton of choices so definitely check them out all right let's get to part three with Vinny from leadfoot diesel performance and talking about what is the worst and best diesel truck to buy in the cummins lineup Vinny, welcome back to the podcast for part three of the worst and best diesel trucks to buy so on part one we uh Talk about Ford Power Strokes, Part 2, Duramaxes, which one you you know would would get, which one you think are the, the best and the worst through your experience at Leadfoot Diesel. And you know, where I could, I would inject purely my opinion based on sometimes <laughs> a visual appearance of a truck or whatever it might be. But uh we got a lot of Cummins fans who listen, so this one I have a bit more direct experience with, but not as much as you do. So I mean what's your kind of overall opinion of Cummins trucks and it's so I mean it's it's hard to kind of say because they span from what 89 to to current and there's a bunch of different um, you know changes and updates and things throughout the years but you know what what do you think of them
1: man there's there will forever be a special place in my heart for Cummins I mean I've owned a pile of them a, a bunch of them I've had 12 valves I've had never had a 24 valve I want Uh Kind of another one of those dream trucks, you know. In the last episode, I talked about that Eleanor of a LB7 with a ZF six-speed, and and if I could find one of those, when I find one of those, I will own it. And I want an O2 silver extended cab long bed single rear wheel on 40s, so bad I can't stand it. <laughs> I love the sound of a VP44 truck. Probably one of the worst injection pumps ever made other than the K16 that we discussed in the first episode, but um, I don't care. I mean, I'd spend $2,000 every year for the rest of my life to put a VP44 in that truck if I could find it in a leather six-speed manual. I mean, just an absolute dream truck. I love the second gen body style. I like that 24 valve Cummins. It's pretty simple to work on. Um, if I own that truck, I'd probably drop head studs in one at a time on a factory head gasket compounds do like the BD diesel monster pump with a set of DDP injectors, fast fuel system and a South Bend clutch. And I'd be set. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> you know not to be too specific or anything but
0: <laughs> just get, don't list the part numbers or anything
1: <laughs> uh, sdd3250-6 <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the, the one thing with uh with kind of the cummins lifestyle or the brand loyalty when i think back even to myself i can't say it's Currently, this way, but it's always like we had to make a compromise in a way and say, I'm buying this truck for the motor. I know I'm going to have to kind of make a compromise on the interior or, you know, some of the other things where they've come a long way to where the fifth gens are. But th- that's one of the things with the Cummins crowd. It's like, who cares if, if the dash is going to crack? I'll buy another one. Who cares if the door panels rattle? I don't care. Like, I, I'm buying this for the motor. It's a very loyal, um, you know, kind of customer base and know there's a lot of passion with it. And I don't have experience with the first gens, second gens, VP44 trucks. I kind of got in later into like the the last of the five nines and the early six sevens. And right. it's just a very, I mean, we talked about it on the Duramax episode uh, from 01 to 10 and you know, depending on the part, they're very similar or there's a lot of carryover. Well, it's the same thing with the Cummins engines with, you know, the head studs on, the 24 valves, the 6.7s, a lot of the things that could work on a 5.9 will work on a 6.7. You know, there's some things that don't, a little bit of differences, but it's, you know, it's just a really cool kind of segment of diesel. And for anyone who didn't catch the first two episodes, when we're asking this question of what's the best and the worst, we're looking at either inherent problems in the factory design, the factory setup that's going to need to be addressed, the aftermarket support. And then third is, you know, does the power level at stock or near stock compare to how you may use the truck for towing, hauling payload, things like that? So, if we were to take those three things into account, which, either five nine or six seven Cummins, would you say is the best one with those three things? Is you know kind of our criteria for for the best truck?
1: I mean, once again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be consistent with you, and I'm gonna go off facts. I mean, I've. You know, I've had 12 valves. I've had the common rail 24 valves. I haven't had the VP44 truck, which I made very clear. I've got a lot of experience with them. Uh, There was a point in my life where I, myself and another technician at a diesel shop would race each other to see who could swap a VP44 fastest. And I think my record to swap a VP44 was like 23 minutes or something like that. Um, obviously had all the tools laid out, everything ready to go. But, um, one of the, one of the worst stories I have to tell customers, you know, they'll ask me, you know, you do a VP 44 on a truck. What's the warranty? I mean, I mean, Bosch is going to cover it for 12 months. Um, as far as labor, Tail i i hate to be that guy i hate to say that but it's a piece of shit pump i put a vp44 on truck for a customer beautiful truck red second gen never forget it i hated that son of a bitch so much <laughs> i put a pump on his truck i successfully test drove it i came back to the shop i parked it and when i say test drive i didn't drive it around the block i drove it 25 30 miles and uh came back Cleaned everything up, parked the truck, called the customer, come get your truck, it's done. He left, he made it 50 miles from our shop. Truck, truck dead pedaled. didn't shut off, it just dead Uh Couldn't go over 55 miles an hour, he called me back. Obviously not excited or super stoked about the fact, get it back to us, we'll take care of it, we towed it back, we covered the tow, pump was dead. Uh, called the injection shop that we bought it from in Spokane, Washington, sent us another brand new pump. I put another pump on it. I test drove it again a little bit further this time. I pulled it back up to the shop and I didn't shut it off. Just I walked in, had the bay door up still. I walked in to wash my hands. I was sitting at the sink washing my hands and I realized the truck wasn't running anymore. Couldn't hear it running in the parking lot. Went out there, spun on the key for a few seconds wouldn't start cracked a few lines open spun on the key couldn't get any fuel out of it pump took a shit i put three pumps in that truck in one day wow before it finally left and never came back again so that makes anybody look bad Uh, obviously i didn't design the pump i didn't build the pump i didn't all i did was install it and you can't kill a vp44 pump by installing it wrong i don't think So you know it's 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 another one of those memorable things like the LB7 injector job that I had to do that I absolutely despised. It sucked. Um, It it leaves a little special place in your heart of hatred for a VP44 pump. But at the end of the day, I would still own one. You know, it's still it's an easy enough job that you can do it for free. You can you can make enough money, profit-wise. Off the list price of the VP44 and the labor that the book time that it sells, you can do that job three times in a day and still come out positive on the profit side. So it doesn't piss me off nearly as bad as having to warranty out a set of LB7 injectors, but it's still frustrating. So that would be, so,
0: <clears throat> as far as the best one, you would pick the 98.5 to 02. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would have to say. I read an article in in uh, I think it was Diesel Power magazine in like oh four oh five. And at that point in time, I didn't even know this. At that point in time in 0305, there were 75 different versions of the 6B Cummins 5.9 and little changes, little, little bitty things that changed from from model to model, but to know that that many changes happened in that period of time was a little mind boggling to me, but I would say personal experience, my best experience with a five, nine Cummins was an 03. Um, I bought the truck brand spanking new from Dave Smith motors in Kellogg, Idaho. It was a complete bastard of a truck. They could not sell this thing. Like I was doing a job in Kellogg, Idaho. I lived in Coeur Idaho at the time, about a 45 minute drive. You had to go over one mountain pass to get there. And I would drive by this truck every day. And it was kind of parked up on one of those ramp things on the side of the interstate. And I was just like, it's a good looking truck. I was driving a 0373 at the time, four-door long bed, gunmetal gray. This was a four-door short bed gunmetal gray Dodge. And it was just, it caught my eye. It was a a good looking truck. It was the first year, the little bubbly headlights. And and it was a good looking truck. And I drove by it every day for months. And they could not sell this thing. And so inevitably, I ended up hitting a patch of black ice with my 7.3. And I hit the barrier in the middle of the interstate, totaled the truck, bent the frame. And, you know, I didn't total the truck. I'm sorry. They fixed it. I had not I couldn't keep a transmission in it. After I wrecked the truck, it would blow the transmission up every two to three weeks. And so the dealership that I bought it from ended up lemon-lawing the truck out. And they said, We'll put you into anything on the lot that you want. You know, we'll try to keep your payment the same. And uh, I told them about this Dodge that was sitting down at Dave Smith Motors. I said, if you guys could get that truck on the lot, I would, I would buy that Dodge. And that was kind of hard to say because I was in a little bit of a back and forth at the time with my father in law, who was a diehard Cummins guy, I had a 94 12 valve that he bought brand new. And uh, he would always give me shit about my seven threes, and I'd give him shit about his slow ass 12 valve. And it was just fun banter around the Thanksgiving table. And uh, so it was kind of hard to break down and buy a Dodge at the time because I had this little back and forth with my father in law. But it was just, it was. I couldn't get it out of my head. It was just a, a sexy ass truck and it was a short bed and I hate short beds, but I was even willing to buy it because they had lifted it. They'd put a Skyjacker six inch lift on it with a set of the old bullet hole ultra aluminum wheels with 37s. It was just a sexy ass truck and I could not get it out of my head. So I ended up, they lemon lawed out my seven three and I bought that 03 Dodge and it literally the manufacture date on the door sticker was October of Oh two. So I bought an Oh three Dodge in like December or whatever of Oh two. And, you know, I kind of was like, it was the first like third gen in our little town that we lived in. I, I said Coeur d'Alene, but I actually lived in post falls. And so I was driving this thing around six speed manual cloth seats, no bells and whistles. It was like, It was basically a, it was an SLT with the Bose sound system. So it was kind of a weird bastard of a truck. And I started pouring money into this thing. I was making more money than I knew what to do with at the time. And I got to be really good friends with Brady Williams from industrial injection. And he was playing around with some common rail stuff. It was really new. Uh, Nobody knew anything about them. Everything on Cummins forum and company at the time was 12 valve and 24 valve. I got a bad tank of fuel in the middle of the night. I was building a house in uh, Big Sky, Montana, driving back and forth from Post Falls, Idaho, to Big Sky, Montana. And I stopped in the middle of the night, got fuel, got back on the highway, and the water and fuel light came on. I pull over. I pull out the owner's manual, brand-new truck, figure out where the water and fuel valve is, drain it. Tons of water coming out of this thing. It's 20 below zero outside, freezing my balls off. I go five miles, almost hit a herd of elk, water and fuel light comes on, I'm just having a bad time, not a good night, pull over, drain it again, get back on the interstate, I'm going over to the mountain pass between Montana and Idaho, and I'm pissed off at this point, the water and fuel light comes on again, I'm like, I'm not pulling over again, I'm done, I'm driving home, I'm tired, I want to go to bed, I'm cold, so I drive the rest of the way home say it's 60 miles, get to the house, shut the truck down. It's got 30,000 miles on it. It's brand new. Go to bed, get up the next day at like noon, go out there. Truck won't start. I don't know shit about diesel trucks at this time. I'm a timber framer. I'm building timber frame homes. I'm tinkering with seven threes in the driveway. This is the first Cummins I've ever owned. So I jump on the old trusty laptop and I I start searching for answers and I end up on Cummins forum and uh, somebody recommended calling industrial injection. So I called them, told them what the truck was doing. They're like, well, we think you have bad injectors. You know, you got water in the fuel. We think your injectors are probably bad. So I run it back down to Kellogg, Idaho to the dealership. Well, in a perfect Chrysler fashion, they voided my warranty. I did have water in my fuel, so they blacklisted my warranty. So I got a brand new truck with 30,000 miles on it, no warranty. Wonderful experience with Cummins so far. So I take the truck home, pull the injectors out of it, and I send them to industrial. They're trash. They're full of rust. So I buy a set of, I was an idiot 22, 23-year-old at the time. I think I bought a set of 150 overs put them in the truck, go out and test drive it. This thing's black smoking its dick off, which I thought was super cool at the time. End up blowing the turbo up. EGTs are through the roof. I didn't have any way of monitoring that. So I called Brady from industrial. Hey, I put those injectors in. Now my turbo's toast, pumping oil out the exhaust. He's like, man, you can't run a stock turbo with 150 overs, you idiot. (laughs) So he had a... He had a 03 or 04 at the time with an automatic in it that he had put a 64 millimeter board Warner on. And it was a laggy turd. He hated it. So he's like, I'm going to send you this turbo pay me cost on it, run it. If you like it, keep it. If you don't like it, we'll throw a 62 on. So I had a six speed manual. I could spool that thing. No problem. Loved it. Made really good power. Um, Obviously had to break down, buy a tuner for it. So I bought an edge juice of attitude. That's when I could see what my EGTs were doing. I was like, holy God, this is horrible. And I was getting really bad injector pop. And so I did a twin CP3 setup. At the time, PPE was the only company that made a twin CP3 setup for it. So I did a twin CP3 setup for it and I put a fast fuel system on it. And this was early days of fast fuel systems. I mean... This was back when Brad was actively pushing the company on the forums, trying to get his name out there, just left his his dad and that whole debacle. And so I got a fast fuel system put on it. And I mean it just started snowballing quick. So, you know, that's the big problem that people think bigger is always better. And it's not. When it comes to injectors and turbos, these things have to be sized properly. And I was an idiot and I didn't know that. I wasn't an idiot, I was ignorant. And so I started learning very rapidly. My Cummins education started evolving. And uh, I abused the hell out of that poor truck. I mean, I put things in it that shouldn't have been put in it, including my right foot. Um, I was hauling heavy all week long, heavy machinery, timber frame, home packages. And on the weekends I was sled pulling and drag racing at the drag strip in Spokane. And so my wife at the time had a Lancer evolution eight. And I told her, I said, as soon as my truck on 37s beats your stupid little rice burner, I'm selling that piece of shit. And we ended up, I did enough to the truck. I ended up running, I think it was 1185 in the quarter mile. And I grenaded an NV 5600 all over the track. I was <laughs> not welcome back, but I beat her car. And I think she would run like 12 O's pretty consistently. And, uh, Sold her car and I was I had the bug. The diesel bug was deeply rooted in my life at that point. I beat the shit out of that truck for three hundred and twenty-five thousand miles. And I can accurately say I never repaired that truck. I upgraded the hell out of it and I broke some stuff being a dumbass. But the truck never left me stranded because the truck was a piece of shit. Uh so if it, you know, Cummins guys out there, that 03, early 04 is a really good engine. Uh, I bought a twin to that truck in 05. One of my foremen was driving a Ford Astro van and, you know, we're building $10 million houses. It's kind of embarrassing when you pull up to a $10 million house in a Ford Astro van full of chainsaws. <laughs> so... He was a good guy, good worker, so I went down to the dealership, and I bought him a brand-new 05 four-door long-bed single rear wheel, which I really wanted, but I had my truck, and I bastardized it enough to where I didn't trust anybody else driving it, definitely not an employee, and all my sex trophies just... Uh, <laughs> but that 05 cracked a piston at 30,000 miles. And I think I got hooked up kind of like the GM thing that we were discussing in the last episode. Yeah. Um, we were in Portland, Oregon, coming back from a job site in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. And one of my employee called me and he says, you know, he's following me. I'm in my 03. He's in the brand-new 05, and he's like, man, it sounds like there's a midget in the block with a jackhammer. I was like, it's a brand-new truck. Like, what the hell? I said, man, just let's get home. You know, we got 16-hour drive. Let's just get home. We'll deal with it when we get home. It's still driving. So we get back to Idaho. I take it down to Dave Smith Motors. Truck's under warranty. It's brand-new. They pull it in. Oh, you got a cracked piston. Okay, fix it. I'm not even mad. I mean, it's inconvenient, but I'm not mad. It's under warranty. So they put a motor in the truck. I go to pick it up, and they hand me a $16,800 bill. Why Why am I paying for this? Oh, we found water in your fuel, and it hung an injector open and cracked a piston. Bullshit. You can't fill your own truck up with diesel fuel in the state of Oregon? I don't know if anybody's aware of that but apparently human beings in the state of Oregon are too stupid to fill up their own truck. So it's a state law. The gas station attendant has to fill your truck up. i watched the dude fill the truck up. He definitely didn't dump a bottle of water in my fuel. And I don't know how many gas stations are pumping water out of their tanks underground. It was just, it was too weird and too convenient for them to not warranty the, the motor to this day. I still think I got screwed on that deal. So I started doing a little research on the difference between an O3 and an O5. And that's when I came across that article that said there was 75 different versions of a 6B commons from 89 to 5 And I was like, holy shit. That's yeah. a lot of changes. Yeah. That, that's mind boggling. Uh, and what I did find is the O5s have a thinner decked piston. So like if you were to cut the piston in half and, and look at the cross section, Between an 03 piston and an 05 piston, the 03 piston's stupid thick, where the 05 is very, very thin. And the combustion chamber is completely different. It started learning a lot of things very rapidly. I was not a diesel mechanic at the time. I was just a business owner with a fleet of diesel trucks. And I'm like, holy cow, which ones are good and which ones are junk? And uh, I did not have good luck with that 05. I mean, we probably at one point my wife pulled me aside and she was like, we got to get rid of this truck. Like it is costing us so much money. We've had to put a motor in it. Uh, shortly after we put a motor in it, the lift pump failed. We had to put a lift pump in it. Um, we put a set of injectors in it when we put the motor in it. And it was just, it was one thing after another, the O5s was the first year that they put that stupid plastic intercooler in the only year that they put a plastic intercooler in a Cummins. That thing got me a couple of times, I finally put a BD intercooler in it, but it was, it, it came down to the point by the end of the year, she was just like, we got to get rid of this piece of shit. It's costing us way too much money. And so the employee that was driving it ended up buying it from me. But, and then I had an 0759, uh, that thing, I bought it for, for the wife actually, cause we had kids and we got kids in car seats. Car seats don't fit well in the back of an 03 to 05. Anybody that out, out there that owns one knows that. So the 07s came out and they had the mega cab. So I found a silver one that I really kind of had a hard on for. And so I bought that 07 mega cab. That thing dropped a valve seat at 75,000 miles and completely destroyed the engine. Bone stock truck didn't even have a tuner or nothing on it. I got a wife with two little kids in car seats driving around. <clears throat> she went up a little hill one day and she's like, truck just started making horrible noise and shut off. I was working at a diesel shop at that point. I was at alligator performance. We pulled it in and popped the head off of it. It looked like a hand grenade went off inside the block. So didn't have good luck with that one. Uh, ended up, inevitably I ended up in a six, seven Cummins. Uh, long story made short, it was a buddy that bought a brand new truck, had some health issues. I ended up taking the payments over and, and driving the truck. Popped a head gasket at 30 something thousand miles. They covered it under warranty. Popped the head head gasket at 52,000 miles. They covered it under warranty. I bought a set of head studs at the time, and they put them in. Um, popped a third head gasket at like 75,000 miles, and this is when I really was getting super frustrated with the motor and was talking to Brady at Industrial. You know, everybody's like kind of the six seven was brand new. Nobody even knew what a DPF was at the time. We took it off thinking that it was just a catalytic converter that was stopped up. That was back in the day when uh, you could buy those little resistors from some company in Canada, if I remember right. And uh, anyways, it just kept popping head gaskets left and right. So we thought it was because the catalytic converter was clogged up. So we took all that stuff off and put those resistors in to make the truck happy. Popped another head gasket. We're like, what the heck? going on with this thing like why is it blowing Hega? it's a bone stock truck doesn't even have a programmer on it the dealership told me I was towing too heavy well shit that's why I bought a 3500 so I can tow heavy like (laughs) that's all I've done with all these dodges that I've owned is tow heavy like I own a company that tows heavy shit and so that was really frustrating and so I ended up doing I got away from the VGT turbo. That was kind of Brady's idea was that the VGT turbo is too high drive pressures and what have you. And that made sense. So we got rid of the VGT and I ended up doing a, a hybrid turbo that Brady came up. It was a S-472 compressor housing mated to an S-300 turbine housing. Bad ass turbo. I think he called it the silver 72 or something back then. This was like oh eight oh nine, early, early on in the six, seven days. And they built that I'm aware of. They built three of those turbos. One of them I sold to a customer that had a snowmobile company and uh, he loved it. I had one. And then I don't know what happened to the third one. At the end of the day, it was, it was not, cost effective to produce that turbo brady couldn't sell it at a high enough price point to make the wasting two turbos to create one didn't make sense anymore so that kind of fell off the bandwagon and i started selling the crap out of the aurora 5000s because it was very similar turbo uh spooled up great on the six sevens and once i went to that fixed vein turbo head gaskets stopped failing um I sold that truck back to the guy that originally bought it. He paid for the aftermarket upgrades, sold the truck to some girl that drove it for many, many years after that. And the truck was just very reliable. So I kind of got on the bandwagon of getting away from VGTs on the six sevens at that point, because I personally firsthand experienced the problems when I ran a VGT turbo and then the great luck that I had getting away from the VGT turbo. So I've kind of, I've pushed that on customers for years and it seems to work. Um, the head gasket jobs, the comebacks quit, you know, we were doing head gaskets left and right and they were coming back, coming back, coming back. And the customer's pissed off and they want us to warranty it. I'm like, kind of not our fault. You know, we did the head gaskets, right. We put good head studs in it. It's just a shitty engine with a shitty design. And once we started pushing the fixed vein turbos and the coolant bypass from fleece performance, that really affected our 6.7 Cummins head gasket comebacks. So, I would say from the factory, the worst one I ever had was the 6.7. The best one I ever had was the 0359. Uh, believe it or not, my 12 valve only made it 165,000 miles. Obviously, I kind of I had that truck before I had a very extensive knowledge of diesel trucks. Killer Dow and got me, it fell out popped a hole in my front cover and I pumped all the oil out going down the interstate and didn't know it <clears throat> locked up all the main bearings in that truck so you know they've all kind of got little issues that need to be addressed but uh the 03 for sure was the most unproblematic truck that I ever had um <coughs> my light's dying on here but uh yeah I mean a six seven's got issues it's, it is hands down stock platform, one of the worst Cummins engines ever made. Um, we see them constantly in our shop. I mean, right now at this point in time, I think I have seven head gasket jobs sitting in the shop right now. I've got four or five <clears throat> engine failures, 18 plus. Um, the hydraulic lifter issue with the six seven Cummins is not shaping up to be a very good deal.
0: You know, what's really what's really interesting about um, when you were going through stuff there you're definitely smarter than I was because you started out in diesel I didn't <clears throat> so I, I had uh gosh I was right out of college I was really into gas trucks so I I lived in uh, Southern California I drive back home to Colorado and I noticed like at sea level the truck I had was great' it was a v8 newer truck it was awesome I hit Colorado start to go over the past and I'm like where's the power man there's no there's no a whole lot of noise and no power right. so um you know i get i get home I'm, I'm gonna stay out here a couple weeks visit my stepdad had a 0273 power stroke and uh he said hey let's go fishing so we load up the the truck head back into the mountains and i'm like there's no real power loss you know and it was kind of my, the first time i realized hey there's something there is something to this uh, diesel fuel turbocharger I can kind of see it. And then my brother had a VP 44 truck at the time. And I remember riding around with him and I go, this has a lot more, you know, kind of power than that seven three does. It's, it, you know, it's kind of cool. And um, when you were mentioning seeing that, that truck at the dealership, it's the same sort of thing it is I drive by it's a red quad cab short bed. They lifted it. It was for some promotion or something at 35 miles on it. I go in there, I look at it. I think the 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 price it would have cost to get it then is laughable compared to what they are now. It's like
1: oh yeah,
0: forty percent of the price, maybe forty five percent of it, and yeah. being ignorant or dumb or whatever, I'm like no, that's too expensive. But I would pick the same uh, the, the same year range, oh three, early oh four, um, because of well, there's a lot of reasons. One is I love that styling. Um, I love the smaller headlights. I, I love uh, it's something nostalgic about the interior. I know they weren't the most comfortable. That oh, uh, they're horrible. Yeah. They're horrible. <laughs> but just like but... you sit in it and you have like that darker colored deep slate kind of, you know, plastic dash mm-hmm. and everything. And I think of the aftermarket support, tons of things with turbos, injectors, injection pumps. You have tuning options. The transmission options are nearly endless. Um, there's just so much you could do with them. And I like that. Um, with, uh, you know, when you had mentioned the different variations of the Cummins engine is I found out through the podcast and just chatting with people, how much of that is emissions driven? Cause we think emissions didn't That's exist it. in pre O seven and a half. They did. Yeah. They, yep. they did all the way back to the early nineties. So all these little changes. And especially with the pistons you mentioned on 04 and a half to 07 and, um, you know, different things with the injectors and stuff like that. They're all driven off emissions. And, uh, and even I agree with you with the six seven stuff. The first you know one I ever bought, oh eight six seven. It was it was challenging, and I would say it's the worst one in my opinion. One was because of what you were telling me with the cost of parts. If you need to get a DPF, you need to get the EGR motor, all those sorts of things, and then also, you know, in today's climate, the way that they were, you know, fixed back then. They're right. not fixed that way now. And I just think that would be, you know, trucks yeah, 10 plus years old. Where am I going to get the parts for it? And um, there's not really a whole lot of support. I would just, I, I don't, I think once they went to the DF fluid on, on the six, seven Cummins, I think they could, that and some other things could get the emission systems more reliable. Um, yeah. than those early third gen, you know, six, seven or the, the the third gen six sevens. So, I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think what's so tough to pick like the best Cummins engine, it's, there's a lot of good ones, you know, they're, they, they have a, a great reputation. Of course they have issues like anything else that's out there. I'd say, you know, it's kind of more so the truck. Like, do you want to deal with a 68 RFE? Or do you want to deal with having to build your 48 RE when you add 60, 70 horsepower to it, Right. Um, but it's cheaper to do it than it is. Yeah, 68 RFE and the price that they are. So there's a,
1: a lot of choices yeah, that people have. When a 68 RFE goes down, you know, we've we've tried everything. I mean, I've tried every company under the sun when it comes to the 68. And, and I've kind of settled on Randy's transmissions. We're doing, you know, we're doing probably three or four, maybe five of their transmissions a month right now. Um, and I'll only sell their stage two and up. Um, I mean, the 68 is just a piece of shit and it's a $10,000 ticket. You know, that's hard to swallow for anybody. I, I'm not made of money. If you told me that my truck needed $10,000 worth of work right now, I'm parking that thing. I, I just can't, I don't have the physical income to cover an expense. Like, I don't know how these people do it. You know, they come in, they pay these bills and I'm like, what the heck are you doing that I'm not doing? Like, I can't afford to spend that kind of money to fix my truck. Uh, you know, I've been blessed with a couple very reliable trucks and i blame that on maintenance and service you know i take really good care of them and i do <coughs> probably service them more than they need to be but they're older trucks and i'm not made of money so uh, an extra oil change a year or a you know fuel filters a couple thousand miles early is way cheaper to me than trying to replace a fuel system <coughs> you know servicing the transmission every forty thousand miles is way cheaper than putting a uh, aftermarket transmission or a built transmission. And so th- that is a, a hard pill to swallow when a 68 blows up you're it's a $10,000 bill to do it right. You know, and even to put a stock replacement in is yeah. $6,000. So there's not even, there's not a cheap way out of it. And there's definitely not a cheap good way out of it.
0: I think the tough part is, you know, when I think of uh, 03 to 07 common rail, I think, all right, I'm going to run some fuel additive. I'm going to do, I'm probably gonna have to do a transmission, do some things here and there. And it's going to be pretty much good to go, but f- the price of them is crazy. I mean, if they have low mileage, you're looking at 40 to 50, maybe a little over $50,000 for some that's relatively stock, you know? Right. And it's just, they're expensive. Um, oh, it's
1: the same. And, and people, you know, I see it all the time on Facebook, especially, I mean, I live on there. That's part of my job is I'm on 40 different diesel groups on Facebook and, and try to answer questions and help people as much as I can. But it's once a week, you see a second gen pop up on there for $35,000 and you got a bunch of, a bunch of guys on there complaining about the price or telling the guy he's an idiot. He's going to get it. He's going to get $35,000 for that truck. Whether yeah. you like it or not, somebody out there wants that truck, and they're gonna pay for it. Yep, they do. You know, it's. I, I think the easiest, you know, definitely the, you know, for a guy that's looking to get into a Cummins, affordably, um, and make some, decent horsepower affordably, the twelve valves kind of always gonna be king. You know, you've got that. You got that bone stock truck that you can get into relatively cheap and for 60 bucks on a saturday morning and a couple of buddies and youtube you can make an extra 60 to 80 horsepower for almost no money uh so that's always going to be a thing and that's always going to be a fact and reality you can make cheap power with a 12 valve you're not going to make Big power with a twelve valve cheap. You start getting six, seven, eight hundred horsepower. You are going to spend some money on compounds and a, you know, a modified P pumps three grand. I mean, but for a high school kid that's wanting to get his feet wet in the diesel industry and and with a diesel truck, you can get a twelve valve pretty cheap, pretty cheap, and you can crank up the horsepower for no money. Um, There is a point where it gets expensive, but
0: yeah. Do you think the ninety eight after O twos are almost a sleeper? In, in kind of this conversation where you've got the mechanical guys who they're, you know, it's 12 valve or nothing. And then you got the common rail guys who, you know, they want the HP tuners. They want the FI live on, on the later ones. And the VP44 trucks kind of get overlooked, but you can have respectable power numbers for a daily driver, something that tows for maybe a little bit less money because you yeah. get overlooked.
1: Yeah, we just did one at the shop for a cattle company and it's. Badass little truck. We did a 64. No, we did a 62 over an s 475 uh, 100 horse injectors from GDP. I actually left the VP44 alone. Um, I've found that, you know, we have a dyno at the shop and we've dynoed every combination you can imagine. And I've actually found if you take an Edge Juice with Attitude and stack it with a Smarty SO3, which does absolutely nothing but modify torque management as long as we're being honest with people. Um, and that, that brings up a good point. Any of you 24 valve guys that are out there, I had a kid sitting in my office yesterday that had a quadzilla on his truck that he just bought brand new to him truck, had a quadzilla on it, wanted to make 600 horsepower. So we sat down in my office yesterday and I gave him a, a recipe for 600 plus horsepower. And he said, uh, I want to take the Quadzilla off and I'm going to put, I won't name the programmer because I don't want to diss anybody, but I want to put this programmer on that plugs into the OBD2 port. And I'm like, look, dude, anything that plugs into the OBD2 port on a 24-valve Cummins is not going to increase horsepower enough to justify the cost of the product. The only reason I would ever sell somebody a Smarty SO3 is to modify torque management, which is just the throttle pedal sensitivity. So the Edge Juice with Attitude or the Quadzilla, whatever programmer ties into the factory injectors and, or the factory injection pump and the factory harness, that's where your power is going to be made with a programmer on a 24 valve. The thing that plugs into the OBD2 port is just going to modify throttle sensitivity, which helps. Um, it does help. And so, you know, don't waste a bunch of money on a programmer that plugs into OBD2 because it's not going to do anything for you the best programmer out there for a 24 valve Cummins is the juice of the attitude. Um, Quadzilla back in the day was worth talking about. Um, I know they've been bought out and new ownership and new, whatever. I haven't dealt with them in 10 plus years. I don't know anything about them now. I don't know if they're good, bad or indifferent, but the edge juice with attitude has been consistent from 2001 to present. It's the same programmer. It's doing the same thing. It, it, Boast 120 horsepower increase with the hot unlock. So, you know, it's, they're still out there and there's still people wanting to make power with them. I mean, I talked to that kid yesterday. I gave him a pretty hefty ticket. wants to make 600 plus horsepower. So we talked about compounds and and a South Bend clutch and a modified VP pump. But what I have found is overall horsepower numbers a stock VP44 pump in an automatic truck will make more horsepower than a hot rod pump on the top end. Uh, so I, I don't push people into those hot rod pumps very much. Um, if they want it, I'll sell it to them. I'm not going to talk them out of it, but I'm not going to talk them into it. Uh, the biggest thing is is give the thing fuel, give it supply fuel, put a fast on it. Uh, do a little single turbo 62 works great you can make 600 horsepower on a 62 millimeter Borg Warner with enough fuel and and the right programmer combination. But the downside of the VP44 trucks, there's no custom tuning. So you're kind of stuck with that can tuner and what it's capable of is really all you can do.
0: I think probably for that four to maybe 500 horse kind of range, you know, tow with it, it probably, you know, fits in perfect. And you know, I was just thinking. Um, you know, we've covered the Ford Power Stroke, covered GM Duramax, we've covered the Cummins, and I appreciate your time. You know, in doing these and and sharing, you know, your fifteen plus years experience in answering these questions for people. So I wanted to pose kind of like the final answer. It's like the final boss fight, right? Is you can only have one, one truck, and it can be any brand, any year range. It's except like we're not doing like a high horsepower build race truck but you can only have one. Which do you pick?
1: That's easy.
0: <laughs> Mine's easy too.
1: <laughs> Four door, long bed, black, 07 Super Duty, Harley Davidson edition with a ZF6 speed. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Does not exist. That would be my, I like the six O power. I like how fast it is. Like, that's the sad thing from, from being – so my evolution as of a diesel owner, owned four 7.3s, owned five Cummins, ended up in a six zero, oh, which I talked so much shit about for so many years of my life. And you can ride around – I mean, I rode around every day of my life for seven years in an 800-horsepower 5.9 first time i ever drove a six liter with a tune on it i was shitting grins all the way to the house i mean i could not wipe the giant smile off my face the way that they make power how fast they make power it's a totally different driving experience like for any cummins guy out there that's shit talking six o's go riding one i mean they're just a blast to drive they're not fast by any means but it's that it's that roll into the throttle and it like starts sucking your head back. I mean, just a tune intake and exhaust on a 5.9 versus tune intake and exhaust on a six zero power stroke, totally different driving experience. Both are fun in their own way. Uh, that six cylinder Cummins is just slower to make power versus that snappy quick power of a V8. And I like shifting gears. So the ZF6 to me. Is one of the smoothest shifting manual transmissions ever put in a diesel truck. Shifting gears in an MV four thousand five hundred, I mean, it's like first, second, third, and then toss the shifter to the passenger to grab <laughs> fifth for you. I mean, it's just such a sloppy piece of crap. And I'm in my MV four thousand five hundred that I had in my ninety four twelve valve. I had that thing out seven or eight times rebuilding it. It just didn't like taking power versus the NV5600, my O3, I blew up three of those things on the drag strip and sled pulling. And I ended up converting it over to a, a G56, which I absolutely loved. Everybody talks crap about those things. And I don't think the G56 was ever a bad transmission, but it had that stupid dual mass flywheel and it just beats the hell out of the transmission when that dual mass flywheel comes apart. If you get a G56 and you put a South Bend clutch in it from the word go, you're never going to have a problem out of that transmission. Or it'll last forever. Um, I mean, I've got customers with a million miles on their G56s that we've never touched. You know, we just put a clutch in it, and that's it. That's the end of it. But, but yeah, like, my dream truck unicorn, never going to get it, probably won't ever have it, would be a 07 Harley-Davidson four-door long-bed single-order row with a ZF6 speed and a hot-ass tune.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be, <clears throat> I don't know. Gosh. Well, it'd be the Oh three to Oh five body style Ram and the sport model. I don't know if ideally I'd like an early Oh four. So I know I got the 48 RE planets. I love the painted front bumper, rear bumper. It'd be that dark gray, which I think is like what you had. I would definitely go auto and I definitely go short bed. I know I got to buy a transmission. I know I'm going to need one, but there's something nostalgic about it for me where I just, I love it. I love the sound of them. Um, I love the way the interiors look, the, the body, that would be mine. Other, you know, it's just... one of the,
1: <laughs> one of the coolest trucks I ever had the pleasure of being a part of, you know, and, and every customer to me is special, but one of the coolest trucks I ever had pleasure of being a part of was a 03 SRT 10 with a five, nine in it, big, nasty 12 millimeter CP three three compounds i mean just a freaking wicked truck slammed to the ground with that srt10 front bumper uh had the racing stripes over it black short bed just an absolutely sexy truck and it's just weird to watch something that looks like a 1500 roll coal and (laughs) blow some. 15 inch wide tires off like they're not even there that was a badass truck (laughs) and i actually when i did my mega cab build uh after my wife's truck dropped the valve seat and blew up i actually converted that truck over to 03 headlights with the 03 bumper and that that messed people up seeing a mega (laughs) cab with the bubbly headlights like (laughs) what they never made that but that truck was a thousand horsepower and it was pretty fun and i still have that motor actually So I need to, I need to get, I need another Cummins project. I need to put it in something. Maybe I'll throw that motor in my OBS. We'll see.
0: There you go. There you go. Well, it was, it was really cool to chat with you. And, you know, I appreciate your time. It's something we get uh, questions. I'm sure you get them probably every week. Somebody will call or stop by the shop, or maybe they have a diesel truck to look at and, you know, and they get into something else. And it can be so hard to find, like we talked about, where can you find reliable information with factual experience. I don't have any of this. I don't work on trucks. I don't see them come in. I'm not you know, dealing with a truck owner and the problems that they have. You are, so you see all this stuff that I don't see and a lot of people you know, don't see. So I appreciate you talking to us about the big three, sharing your insights, chatting with me a little bit about our dream trucks. Maybe we'll get them, maybe we won't um i, I kind of think my O three O four would make more power than yours but <laughs> oh it definitely will it definitely it, will it might not be as rare as that harley davidson with a zf6 so
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that's a unicorn for sure no man i i love it and uh you know i look forward to the the questions the comments uh you know it's it's always fun answering people's questions and there's an, there's no end to them you know it's I've been doing this for 15 years, and I'm still answering questions today that I haven't answered before, and and I like that. I like giving people solutions, and and truthfully, just being honest with people is very, very simple. You can bullshit somebody all day long, and eventually you're going to get caught. Being honest with somebody is very simple. It's very easy to do, and that's why I like being on this podcast. You know, there's other podcasts that have been that have asked me to come on. And uh, it's always monetized. It's always scripted. It's always, hey, say this, don't say that. And I'm not interested in that. You're, you're not going to see me on those podcasts because that's not what I'm about.
0: Well, we appreciate you being on the Diesel Podcast and and uh, you know, sharing insights, not just on this three-part series, but our missions ones. And as fast as things change and as much as going, going on out there, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have you back on. But, uh, again, really appreciate your time blocking it off for us and sharing
1: your knowledge with us. Absolutely, happy to be here, man.
0: Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com. If you're in the market for a knife, use code diesel20. It's a discount code, gets you 20% off site-wide it's exclusive to just diesel podcast listeners so it's a great way to save some money get something if you need it for edc or the outdoors or you're just a knife enthusiast and you know really into different blade materials opening mechanisms um different steels things like that they've got a ton of choices and we appreciate them offering that to you guys also want to give a shout out to some of our patreon supporters tyler lowen of 23 diesel caleb all of our other patreon supporters all of you who are on our discord subscribe on youtube podcast apps we love hearing from you guys love the ideas you give us for episodes. So if you want to hear from a particular company, a guest, a topic covered, just drop us a message on Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at dieselpodcast.com You can comment on YouTube. I'm always on there checking comments and and uh you know reading them and then incorporating what you guys want to hear into a future
1: episode. Until next time, keep the shiny set up.